The university only seems to pay attention when all eyes are on them. We have been asking university administration for comment. We spoke to two New York City teachers that would run through some of Brooklyn's lowest income areas. Here at New York University, students who continue to fight to hold the university accountable. On WNYU, WNYU, WNYU. This is The Rundown. You're listening to The Rundown on 89.1 FM, WNYU, New York, and online everywhere at WNYU.org. Today is Wednesday, March 24th. I'm your host, Izzy McMahon, and we have a great show for you tonight. To follow along with this first story, you might want to put on some safety goggles. Kelly Drake shows that you don't need to be an expert carpenter to build structurally sound furniture. Restless, antsy, stir-crazy, that's what I've been feeling this past year. Being stuck inside, I've been needing an outlet for all my energy. Recently, I'd been seeing videos online of people building some really cool things, and that inspired me to put my carpentry skills to the test. If you happen to be looking for your next quarantine project, look no further. In the next few minutes, I'll be teaching you how to build your very own chair from scratch. Now, to say I have carpentry skills might be misleading. The most building I've done is IKEA furniture, and on a few occasions I couldn't even get that right. If you're looking to take on a building project, you're going to want to find something that matches your skill level. I looked on the Cub Scouts website, and I found a page called How to Build a DIY Wooden Chair for Kids, which I thought sounded like the perfect fit for me. If a kid could do it, so could I. The first thing you have to do is get some supplies. I made a trip to Home Depot and I picked up some 2x4s, a handsaw, and a bunch of nails and screws. Once you've got your supplies, the next step is to get all of your wood cut to the appropriate length. I thought this would be the easiest part, but it turned out instead to be my very first roadblock. My saw kept getting stuck, and despite my best efforts, it just wouldn't cut through the wood. Feeling defeated, I called my dad and explained my dilemma to him. This was where I learned lesson number one. If you run into a problem, ask for help. My dad knew exactly what was going wrong, and in one trip back home, we got it all taken care of. his saw was a lot more powerful than mine. So you want to do this one? Yeah. Don't hurt yourself. Mom will kill me. (laughs) I'm serious. I won't. I won't hurt myself. Here, I learned the second and perhaps the most important lesson. Make sure you're having fun with it. So you're saying I'm an expert now? (laughs) Well, If you did it like 100 more times, then you'd be an expert. Oh, okay. I'll take it. Once you have everything prepared, it's time to start assembling your chair. I had to learn this next lesson the hard way, so hopefully I can save you the trouble. Before you start, make sure you have the proper tools for the job you're trying to do. You shouldn't need a wrench, a hammer, and a screwdriver to do something that a drill can do in seconds. Of course, once your chair is all put together, 
all that's left is the moment of truth. Sit on it for the first time and hope you've learned enough from this story that you don't go crashing to the floor. This might sound easy enough, but I promise you my chair is far from perfect. That brings me to the final lesson. Don't sweat the little things. You may have holes, cracks, and chips in your chair, but you made it, and that's something to be proud of. For The Rundown on WNYU 89.1 FM, I'm Kelly Drake. In the wake of the recent shootings in Atlanta, several rallies and vigils held in New York City this past week called attention to anti-Asian racism that surged as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Nina Huang has the story. For the rundown, 89.1 FM, this is Nina Huang. On March 16, there was a series of mass shootings at three massage parlors in Atlanta, Georgia. Eight people were killed, six of whom were women of Asian descent. Following the killings, nationwide rallies took place as people took to the streets to denounce anti-Asian racism. On March 19, the Asian American Federation, a nonprofit based in New York City, hosted an outdoor peace vigil for victims of Asian hate. More than 200 New Yorkers gathered at the south end of Union Square by 14th Street to mourn and honor the lives lost from not only the shootings in Atlanta, but also the uptick in violent anti-Asian hate crimes seen during the coronavirus pandemic. As organizers delivered speeches to the crowd, they were met with cheers. Meanwhile, supporters lit candles and laid flowers to honor the victims and other attendees held signs that read, Asian is not a virus, racism is, and stop Asian hate. It doesn't matter what your skin color is, there is only one race, and that is human race! Please stop the hate, because it's uncomfortable, and it's rude, and I want everyone to try to be brave. As community organizers shared their experiences with xenophobic sentiment and anti-Asian racism, they called on authorities to label the Atlanta spa shootings a hate crime. If that shooter was a black man, a Latino, a Muslim, what would that press conference have been like? Would he? Would we have heard how he, they were having bad days? How they were just struggling with things? They would have been demonized, torn apart. Every bad thing that ever happened would have been plastered all over the screens, but none of that happened. But we knew what it was before we even finished reading that first headline. And instead of the truth, they tried to convince us that it was something else. If we're going to expect them to do anything for us, especially the law enforcement, they must acknowledge these dangerous situations for what they are, the empowerment, and maintenance of white supremacy in this country. For The Rundown, 89.1 FM, this has been Nina Huang. This month celebrates the history of accomplishments and changes made by women in our society. Nia Watson has the story on why we celebrate Women's History Month in March. For The Rundown, 89.1 FM, this is Nia Watson. What started off as a week-long celebration 39 years ago later became what we recognize today as Women's History Month. 31 days of the year are dedicated to influential female figures, with March 8th marking International Women's Day. But why does Women's History Month take place in March in the first place? The Title IX Act was passed in 1972 on March 1st. 
So the idea was to hold that sort of consistent throughout time. Title IX is a reconfiguration of part of that Equal Rights Amendment that works really well and that you have two months back to back that bring forth, right, thinking about difference and those intersections. That was Dr. Lisa Coleman, NYU Senior Vice President for Global Inclusion and Strategic Innovation and the Chief Diversity Officer. That was established a long time before 1985, right? So we have about 13 years before you established Women's History Month in March in terms of moving it from a week to a month to really then say this, this is as important as any other constituency and we really need to move it to that space. A statue in honor of U.S. Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Women's History Month was unveiled a week ago in Brooklyn, where she grew up. I hopped on a train and headed down to City Point Mall on her birthday, March 15th. There I spoke with those who came to see the statue and found out how they felt. I think it's really good, long overdue, um, to be honest, and I hope that it um, you know, sparks more conversations between people and so the next generation is more used to seeing women in power. Wow, we literally marveled at it all weekend, uh, just knowing that A, she endorsed it, but B, I work around the corner, here's RGB, this, this wonderful lady, a champion of freedom, women's rights, equality, you name it. We should be better represented in the government via women like Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and um, I hope to see more representation of people like her, along with black women too in Congress. I think it's time, I think we need to change. I think the revolutionary times need to happen. I would love to see little kids walking in here and see this statue of her here and ask their moms, who is she? And then learn something new about how women need to be more appreciated and more respected. I think it's absolutely beautiful. It's very important for the youth and people my age <laughs> to actually see you know, such a representation. I think it's great. I think women need to be more celebrated. Do we absolutely need a day to celebrate women? I'm not sure. I feel like we should definitely push for more equality, but you know, it's like Mother's Day or Father's Day. What does it mean? For The Rundown, 89.1 FM, this has been Nia Watson. Misty Avenger updates us on NYU's student newspaper, Washington Square News, and how it's prepared to rebuild after shutting down for all of fall semester. Last semester, I helped investigate the downfall of NYU's student newspaper, and this semester, I found myself working in its copy editing department. For anyone who may not know, WSN is currently working at half capacity, but rolling out article after article with ease about film, COVID-19, and Cuomo. Many listeners who may have heard the piece from last semester are probably wondering how this all happened. WSN hadn't advertised much about its restart, and as a student journalist myself, many of my questions went unanswered for a while. Until winter break. I heard emails were received from alumni about interest in an editor-in-chief. Along with that was a survey open to former WSN staff to fill out. You're probably wondering, who are these alumni? Yeah, I am Alvin Chang. I am a reporter at The Guardian, and I used to work at WSN uh, a long time ago. I saw the, the resignation letter that the staffers had wrote, and it came across my Twitter. So. That was my first, uh, the first time I'd heard about it. 
The focus on the paper, aside from its production, is on the students as well. You know, like the overarching philosophy of what we're doing as a transition committee is to make sure that WSN uh, is and continues to be a student-run publication that empowers students, that gives students resources so that they can succeed uh, in a student newsroom. According to Chang, here's how WSN proves to do things differently. And so for us, we want to both in increase student involvement in the managing board, we want to increase alumni involvement in the managing board, and we want to uh, define and increase the responsibilities of the managing board and make sure their responsibilities responsibilities are extremely clear. So that's step one. Step two is making sure that we leverage the alumni network so that training and networking is a much larger part of what the alumni can help and provide. And so far, it seems WSN is committed to strengthening their community. I'm already better acquainted with my colleagues in my department than I was last semester and have direct communication with my higher ups. I'm glad to see WSN is back up and running. They deserve a platform in NYU's community. St student media is important for NYU. Whether or not they, they believe it or not, it is important for NYU. Uh, it's important to um, help define culture at NYU. NYU does a lot of marketing to figure, you know, to tell people the story about itself. But I also think it's important for students to also have their voice heard, uh, journalists to also have their voice heard uh, when it comes to this community. I'm Misty Avenger, and you're listening to WNYU 89.1 FM. The stimulus check. How much is it? Who gets it? And when? Everybody's thinking about it, and Perry Gregory reports on how NYUers are spending it. On March 11th, President Biden approved a $1.9 trillion COVID relief package, guaranteeing a third round of stimulus checks. I spoke with nine different students about how they have already spent or plan on spending theirs. So I'm going to use my stimulus check um, to pay rent, first of all. I will be spending my stimulus check on rent. Probably rent and groceries, possibly some clothes. Probably wine, um, maybe some clothes I've been meaning to buy, um, stuff for the summer. A new tattoo and particularly fancy cheese at the grocery store. Definitely 100% putting it away in my savings, absolutely, and definitely not spending it on a bunch of clothes and books for myself. Um, well, I'm moving into a new apartment soon, so I'd probably spend it on a couch, an investment piece, I would say. I already paid my overdue Con Edison bill. That was really exciting. I've been avoiding that. Maybe a new monitor, maybe a thing of cologne. I paid my Wi-Fi bill. Actually, you know what? Don't tell my partner, but I'll probably treat them out to a very, very fancy dinner. Um, maybe we'll probably get delivery, but you know whatever you can do in quarantine. I was in LA last week for a work trip and I was planning on just eating yogurt, but I like felt like I could spend a little bit more money. So I actually filed as a dependent on my taxes. So my stimulus went directly into my parents' account, but they have pledged that money to help me move in May. Um, I'm moving out of my apartment in East Village and it's gonna be expensive. Most likely give away half of it to some sort of mutual aid program and then I would 
spend the other half on a synthesizer probably. I uh, started putting a decent amount of my savings into the stock market um, after hearing about all of that um, shit that happened with GameStop. I took like an econ class when I was a sophomore. The one thing I can still very clearly remember from that class is that my professor was like, you should start investing if you can, if you're able to, like start investing by the time you're 25, cause then like, you'll see like a pretty legit return by the time, I think by like midlife basically. I guess if I got it myself, it probably would have not gone to good use. I go to Ruby's in East Village, the Dutch B&H. I don't know, it was just very nice and unexpected. I've been on a tight budget. <laughs> You just heard from Carson Bandy, Sorella Farenhold, Aiden Mallory, Emma Bushman, Parker Kenyon, Ben Gordon, Lucas Villarin, Kat Mignocchi, and Nick Zakari. For WNYU, I'm Perry Gregory. Before signing off, I want to let you know about a special rundown announcement. The rundown is making an audio time capsule to showcase NYU student poetry, diary entries, and songs and covers about life in the pandemic completely anonymously. It will air at the end of April and be archived for future NYUers to listen to in 10 years. Here's a sneak peek of some of the stuff we've gotten so far. Today been too great, woke a little late, didn't do too much, made some big mistakes, yeah. And that's the way it seems to go. forces me to search for my journal to quiet the thoughts swimming as fast as they can. I find myself with a pit in my stomach, reliving the moments I thought I had forgotten about. NYU student and would like to participate, send over an audio file to associate news at WNYU.org. That's all for tonight. Thank you for tuning into the Rundown 89.1 FM. 
I'm your host, Izzy McMahon, and stick around for brand new WNYU podcasts.